Let's pray. Father, help us this morning just to to be attentive and responsive to you and your word. Give us that grace in the spirit, in the redemption of Jesus. We ask in him. Amen. You can be seated. Well, again, it's good to be back in Boston after some needed and very appreciated rest. And after some new adventures these uh, weeks. So you may recall my last adventure included uh, me and Cole on our way to Canada, going through Vermont and, and encountering an unfortunate raccoon with our car. Well, this new adventure I was on uh, included Adam and I, he's helping with the kids this morning, when we were in the beaches of North Carolina, in the Outer Banks, if you know those beaches, and when Adam and I encountered some dolphins as we were paddleboarding. And so what happened was, so this is a, a cottage Anna's parents were given for the week from uh, some people from their church, and they invited us up, and Anna's brother and family and anyways, we were on, a beat, on the beach one day, and Anna says to me, Dave, look, there's dolphins out there. You and Adam should go get them. <laughs> and uh, we had tried to do that before without success. Uh, they're not easy to catch. Those things are fast. And these ones were like 150, 200 yards out already. So we're like, we had to move, and we had to go fast. And we did. We got out there. We paddled hard and we caught up to them. And not so much so that we were in the midst of this pod of dolphins. I mean, probably 10 to 15 dolphins, little baby ones to our right and to our left. You could hear them breathing as they came up, you know, when they go It was crazy amazing. And uh, it was a little freaky, I gotta admit. At first I was like a little tentative to get too close, you know, because they would slap their tails on the water Every once in a while, I thought, are they warning us to get back or what? Uh, but we stayed. We stayed with them for a mile. We paddled hard in the midst of them. And it was exhilarating. Um, it, was, it was amazing. And so at the, yeah, at the end of it, we, we just finally turned back after a mile. We were just, like, really tired. <laughs> and so we turned back, and we were just thanking God <laughs> for that experience. That's the right thing to do. That's the way to complete the pleasure of such an experience. What you would think would be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And then two days later, I see another pod, <laughs> and I go for it, and I get up with them, and I ride with those for a mile. And then I come back to, the, to where we are on the beach, and there's Adam riding with some more dolphins. <laughs> so I ride with him for a while, and then I was really tired. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, it was a week of wonder and much thanksgiving. Well. These encounters got me thinking about our Hebrews passage today. And if you want, you can go there. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 15 to 29. Hebrews 12, 15 to 29. This is, this is my new Bible, by the way. This is um, the uh, New Revised Upstandard, or sorry, New Revised Standard updated edition of the, of the Bible. The, the most recent up-to-date English version of the Bible. It's the one we use in all our readings, if you were wondering. Here's how the author of Hebrews starts this section, at least. 
See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See to it that no one among you fails to obtain, misses out on the grace of God. That sums up so much of what the author is trying to say in this section. See to it. And again, if you look in the Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar, but the commentaries tell me, the, uh, the Greek word behind that phrase is the same word we use for overseer or bishop. So the idea being, all of you, oversee, ensure that no one amongst you misses out on this grace of God that the, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews has been talking about for all these chapters. <clears throat> and then he says, um, well, so basically what that got me thinking of, it's kind of like what Anna was doing for me when she said, you know, you see those dolphins? Go for it. Pursue them. Get in the middle of that grace. Go for it. That's the kind of thing we need to do for each other. We need that encouragement. I don't think I would have gone for it like I did without Anna's exhortation, her encouragement. Uh, that helped me along the way. That's how we need to be for each other. The author then says this another way. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up. And I used to read this as, you know, don't let bitterness take root in your life. And that could certainly be included in this reading and this understanding. But most likely, the author of Hebrews here is saying, don't become a person who is like a bitter tasting root. Because most likely, the author of Hebrews is quoting an Old Testament passage in Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy 29, verses 18, where it says this. It may be that there is among you a man or a woman or a family or a tribe whose heart is already turning away from the Lord our God to serve those gods of the other nations that were mentioned. It may be that there is among you a root sprouting poisonous and bitter growth. That's what most likely the author of Hebrews is quoting. So the bitter root is someone who is turning away, who has turned away from God and his grace for lesser gods and lesser things. And then who, who spreads this way uh, amongst the people they're with in their community. And this way is the way of Esau. So the story of Esau is referred to here next, and it's the story of when Esau was out hunting in the wild, and he comes back, and he's famished. He's starving. And his brother is home, his younger brother. He's the, Esau's the oldest. Jacob's the younger. And he's been making a stew, a delicious stew. And of course, Esau's going to want to eat it. He's going to know that. But Jacob is cunning. And he takes advantage of the opportunity to say, I'm going to give you this bowl of soup as long as you give me your birthright as the oldest. And now, in birthright in the ancient Near East, that's, that's one of the greatest blessings you could have, right? It's, it's basically, if you're the sibling who's the oldest male in this time, you're the next one in line to be the head of the family or the clan. You're at the top of the totem pole as it comes to the siblings. And in the, New in the Old Testament, 
That means you're going to get a double portion. You're going to get the greater portion of the inheritance when it finally comes. So trade that for a bowl of soup. Just because you're hungry, just because you're impatient, that is foolish. That's the worst deal you're ever going to make. And if that's the way you live your life, you're probably willing to do other things for that immediate gratification. You're probably willing to do immoral things to get that immediate gratification. You're willing to turn from God and his grace again to lesser gods, lesser perverse ways. So that's why the author of Hebrews says, see to it again that and oversee that no one among you becomes this kind of person like Esau who traded his birthright for a single meal. Make sure that doesn't happen amongst you that way. Not on a, on a witch hunt, but in a way that we pray for one another and exhort one another and encourage one another. Walk alongside one another. And to do that, we really need to help each other to see what is truly valuable? What's really worth waiting for? What's really worth suffering for? What's worth turning away a bowl of soup for? Recently, uh, our family watched the most recent Alone series. Um, if you've seen this, it's the ninth season. Is anybody watching that right now and hasn't seen the last episode? Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to give away the ending. If you want to watch the series, you're going to need to plug your ears for a few minutes because I'm going to give away the very ending of the show uh, that you wait for. It wasn't the best season anyway, except for the end. The end was awesome. So um, a couple of seasons ago with uh, Roland. That's the one to watch. But <laughs> he's, the, he's the legend in the show. But basically what happens, this is a reality wilderness show where they drop 10 people off in a very harsh environment, and they st these people are all separated, given a few items, a few pieces of equipment, and the idea is for them to survive as long as they can, build a shelter, hunt, and the last one to tap out wins. Well, uh, the one who, who, most, who won this show, his name was Juan Pablo, and he used a technique no one had done before in the show through nine seasons. Basically, at one point, late in the game, I mean, this is after weeks of not eating much and being very tired and hungry, he decided he would just start fasting. He wouldn't eat, he wouldn't hunt, he wouldn't do anything. He would just drink water and not exert himself and see how long he could last. Well, he lasted weeks. And, uh, and he was, like, actually having a good time. He's, like, enjoying, he made a little bench over the, the frozen lake and was enjoying his, his time, and he won. This is how he won. But they didn't tell him right away. They were a bit tricky about it. What they did is they came in pretending they were just doing their regular physical check, which they do once in a while to make sure they're not going to die. And uh, so they're, they're talking to him, and then they're, he actually looks pretty good. After weeks of fasting, I couldn't believe. He still had a, a good amount of fat on his body. But he's talking, they're saying, like, you know, tell us what happened. And he's saying, you know, man, and he's getting really emotional at this point. He's like, this place it just reminds me of the place where I live and where my girlfriend lives, where we live. And this is a girl he had already mentioned that he loves a bunch and he wants to propose to and he's like trying to figure out when he should do it. Meanwhile, he doesn't know, but she's there and she's walking up behind him <laughs> about to tell him that he won and he didn't know. And so anyways, she comes up, she hugs him, they embrace, he doesn't know what he's saying. 
And then comes this special moment in the show where they give the winner a bowl of soup, a cup of soup. And they long for this cup of soup. And, uh, you know, they're hungry. And this guy had been starving himself for uh, fasting for, for weeks. And what does he do? He turns away the bowl of soup. Because in that moment, he wanted to show his, his girl, his woman, where he was living. He wanted to show her this lake that he had loved and spent time on. And that's what he does. He goes out of the lake and he pulls away a bit from the camera and he just starts talking and kissing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it was amazing. If only Esau had watched season nine of Alone <laughs> and learned from Pablo. May we learn from Pablo and learn there are some things uh, that are more important than a bowl of soup. Even though a soup is something to be thankful for many times. There's some things more important. There's most important things in life, in the kingdom. There's things like God's grace in the gospel, the kingdom of God, Mount Zion, and all these things that come with Mount Zion. Here's the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews writes this, he just goes off, or she, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Those are of the most important things this author does not want us to miss out on, that God, who inspired this letter, does not want us to miss out on. We're here to ensure that everybody not just gets to the mountain of, Z of Mount Zion, but climbs Mount Zion, right? I don't know about you, but when I get to a mountain, I don't just want to stop there, right? I want to climb that mountain. I want to get all that I can get from that mountain. I want to get to the peak of that mountain so I can see that broader perspective, live more broadly. That's what we're to do. We're called people to do. In our gospel reading, Jesus said the gate to the kingdom, this kingdom was narrow, right? He said that, and he says other place, he's the gate. He's this gate. But it's not a narrow gate that leads to a narrow life, although some Christians might give you that impression. <laughs> no, it's a narrow gate that leads to a broader life. It takes us into the broad place of the kingdom of God. The Pattons generously lent us uh, their cabin uh, this, this time away, when we were away. This, they have a cabin on this beautiful pond in Maine. And if you get to the end of this pond, there's this bridge with this little tunnel. I mean, it's small. It's like this big. And so what you can do is what I do when I, I'm paddleboarding on Jessica's paddleboard, which she lets us use, is you get there, and just before you enter this tunnel, you got to humble yourself. you got to get down on your knees and duck to make it through this little tunnel. And if you do, and you coast through this, this thing, and you get through all the spiders and stuff that kind of freak you out if you're afraid of spiders, not me, but uh, if you are. And, uh, and then you come out, and then pff, you're in, suddenly into this bigger, broader body of water. And the sun's glistening, and it's awesome. 
That's what it's like to go through the narrow gate of Jesus. He takes you from a smaller existence and life to a bigger, broader place. To the unshakable kingdom of God. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. Looking back to the time when when God spoke at Mount Sinai, the author of Hebrews writes, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase once more indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken remains. Back on the beaches of North Carolina, I gotta go on my vacation more time. There's so many illustrations I'm getting for this sermon. It's so great. Well, we were staying there right where we were staying, immediately out into the water, about 100, 200, uh, no, 100 yards. There was a shipwreck there from 19, or 1852. And it was just about 20, 15, 20 feet down from the surface. And the, the ocean was super clear this week. You could see so well, the, the water was so calm. It was terrible for the surfers, but for, uh, for looking for the, this shipwreck, it was incredible um, and eerie. You know, you first go there and you're like trying to touch it and, and wondering like if a skeleton's going to come out <laughs> and get you. But, but it made me think, you know, what will remain? Here's this ship. At one point, this ship went through a shaking. And now all that remains is a shipwreck. Our culture is going through a shaking right now. You can feel it. What's going to remain? I know in many of our lives here, people are feeling some shaking. Things are coming apart. But, but, our Hebrew author says, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Our psalmist was familiar with that unshakable kingdom. You see what he said? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, because God is in the midst of the city, though, it shall not be moved. God will help when the morning dawns. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. The gifts of the kingdom are stable and unshakable. All the things God makes new in the kingdom are stable and unshakable. It will go on into eternity. And we become stable and unshakable when we are in that kingdom and receiving that kingdom. Therefore, since we are receiving this kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Let us show gratitude. Let us be thankful. That's one side of it. And let's actually give thanks for these things. And And when we are doing that, when we are giving thanks, it is a sign, not only that we recognize the gift, but that we are already starting to receive it 
that it's already starting to have an effect on us. That's what happens, is what is happening when we are giving thanks for these gifts. It's, it's a sign that we actually have this grace that we're told not to, to fall short of, to miss out on. So the little, fra- the little phrase there for uh, show, genera- or show gratitude, it's literally to have grace, which is an expression in Greek to, to give thanks. But, but they're two sides of the same life. To have grace, to give thanks, those always go together. If we lack that thankfulness, it might be an indication that we haven't yet recognized the gift, or that we are not receiving that gift in faith, that it's not having an effect on us, that we don't have grace, that we've become, maybe are that bitter root Unthankful people many times are, are bitter-tasting people. And many times they don't even get that. We don't get that when that happens to us. Don't let that be true for yourself. Let's not let that happen for us here, for each other. Let's pray for one another in these ways. Let's exhort one another in these ways to prevent that. And to give thanks. You know, to give thanks has a lot of therapeutic advantages. There's a lot of studies that say the, the most thankful people are the most happy people. I just read this in an article from Harvard Publishing, Harvard Health Publishing from Harvard Medical School. It said this. It was very interesting. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. In the process, people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside of themselves. And as a result, being grateful also helps people connect to something bigger, something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people or to nature or to a higher power. And then it goes on. In positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. That's amazing. Those are therapeutic reasons. Those are physical, relational blessings. I would still say, I I see those as God's yes on giving thanks when we do that. But of course, we should never do things just for their therapeutic effect. That's one of the temptations of our time, to do things just because they're therapeutically good for us. No, we do give thanks because that is the right an appropriate thing to do. That's the right response to the gift of God. Pretty soon I'm going to say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And you're going to say, it is right to give him thanks and praise. And I'm going to say, yes, it is right. I always love that part. (laughs) Our duty and our joy. That's right, Natasha, yeah. To always and everywhere give thanks to you. We acknowledge that good blessing, that joyful blessing that comes with being thankful. We don't have to be ashamed of that or uh, pretend that's not there. That's there. We can be thankful for. Again, keeps going. So we have all the reasons in the world to enter his gates with thanksgiving, to enter the courts, the broad courts of his kingdom with praise. So let's continue to do that together, to come together to do that. There's something that happens in our gathered thank you to God 
That doesn't happen elsewhere, otherwise. You know, the Holy Eucharist, that's the name of this service. It means holy thanksgiving. This is when we give one big thank you to God, where we come to, to both receive and give thanks for that unshakable kingdom we're receiving from him. Let's do that corporately. Let's do that daily. Let's make that daily our practice everywhere and always to give thanks with reverence and awe because he's a consuming fire, because it's the right and joyful thing to do, and because we don't want anyone to miss out. May it be so. Amen.